This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM. A very good evening to you and welcome to tonight's uh, edition of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele. <laughs> Once again, I am delighted to be in your company and thanks for tuning in. Uh, I really appreciate your time and thanks for positive uh, messages that we are getting about the show. Uh, over, the, over the past two weeks, we really sunk our teeth on the accelerated economic recovery strategy that was unveiled by Business for South Africa. We heard from Martin Kingston and the likes of Hanti Matawane of Black Business Council, uh, who were really applauding the business for assuming the center stage of the economic recovery. On this show, we also heard from the CEO of uh, Business, uh, the CEO of uh, Business Leadership SA, Busi Mavuso, and of course, Bonang Mahale, uh, in his capacity as the the chairperson of Bidvest, really affirming the voice of business as integral part of the solution. In tonight's conversation, we continue this trajectory as we engage Chris Clifford, uh, who is the former CEO of, of Anglo-American Platinum. Uh, hopefully, Chris will also uh, let us in in terms of what is it that is keeping him up at night now that he has left uh, a, a, you know, the, plat- the Platinum mine on a high note. Fundamentally, the show is seeks to contribute towards business consumer confidence in the country. Uh, as you know, business confidence has, has been low over the past 10 years or so, owing largely to ethically challenged political and business leadership. If you, you I bet you'll agree with me that the Zona Commission is a clear testimony of how broken South African is. Uh, interestingly, business community is now suddenly experiencing what I could refer to as epiphany, uh, selling this, this illumination of discovery about what, what in my view, business ought to have been at the center uh, of, of uh, discussions and policy and, and, and programming, uh, if you like. Uh, I urge you to wait in tonight in our tonight's conversation as we engage Chris. Our SMS line is 34519. Our telegram is 061-895-1095. And of course, I'll do take your, uh, your email via my email account, which is nimrod at high.co.za. Uh, as a note, before we kick in, let me take this opportunity to thank Simon and Kathy uh, for a job well done. On that note, let me also thank, thank Tabo in advance for uh, steering the ship as we navigate very turbulent uh, environment as we're broadcasting you know, from different environment. Before we get into the gist of tonight's conversation, we often start the show uh, by reflecting on, on critical issues. What you think on, on the Sunday Independent report that linked Masuko's wife, uh, you know, with the suspicious 125 million tender uh, for PPEs? And of course, we noted that um, you know Kosatu uh, did you know suggest or requested that uh, in the wake of the the, the presidential spokesperson. Uh, uh, you know, the, the MEC should also take a, a bow out while the investigation is still happening. This, for me, raises a fundamental question about what the president, uh, and, you know, made uh, over the uh, last week, if you might recall, when he signed a special proclamation which allowed the SIU to probe unlawful conduct. On paper, we all agree that the president uh, is, is on the right course and South Africans are tired of this, this, you know, uh, looters. But this also begs the question, is there sufficient capacity at the state level to investigate these uh, cases? Bearing in mind that 
the Zondo Commission is uh, laden with cases which have not been resolved. And, and this for me begs the question around policy sequencing, because when you're making a policy statement, you have to address the financial implication of that particular policy. You have to address the implication of that policy insofar as human resources, technology and otherwise. But my sense based on the avalanche of cases which all the state apparatus are experiencing, <laughs> that just to me that the state has not necessarily been able to sequence policies. But again, we hear that the, 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 since the declaration, uh, you know, there's been over 800, you know, complaints, uh, of, of 800 cases that have been, um, that have been investigated, uh, to the tune of about 60 million rands. Presumably that money goes back to the fiscus. But the other issue that I want to re- quickly reflect on is the, the Auditor General, you know, uh, uh, we noted that, you know, the AG has adopted the so-called special measures to safeguard funds, um, you know, that, that way, um, that are being misused by the, by the thieves, so to say. My view is the special audits have been, you know, have been there before. Uh, we know that in the, in the, in the local government space for that matter, the 2018-19 financial year, we have seen 32 billion rands, 32 billion rands, uh, that, that is not being accounted for, you know, thanks to fruitless and wishful expenditure. The question for me is, what will be the AG special investigation do this time around when we have failed as a state, you know, to arrest, uh, the, the, the fruitless and wishful expenditure? But anyway, those are my thoughts, which means, you know, uh, some, we really need to think deep and, and as we advise, uh, government and, and public sector in that space so that we're able to to, to really get uh, things moving. Uh, do join us. Our SMS line is 34519. Our telegram is 061-895-1095. Uh, and, of course, I do take your emails at nimrod at Let me take this opportunity to thank uh, Chris for joining us, and welcome, Chris, and good evening. Hi, good evening, uh, Nimrod, and uh, good evening to your listeners. Thank you very much for for coming through, uh, Chris. As we as we kick off our conversation, uh, I think about three weeks ago we heard through the likes of Martin, you know, Kingston, that's the business unit, the business for South Africa has launched this very impressive accelerated economic recovery strategy. From where you're searching, what you what 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 were the highlights of the strategy? Nimrod, thanks, and I and I am very much aware that I'm I'm walking in uh, in the footsteps here of uh, of Martin and Busi and uh, and Bonang and so so some very uh, well qualified commentators on the economic recovery strategy. But what I liked about the strategy number one was the comprehensive nature that um, of the engagement that went into um, the delivery of this economic recovery strategy. And so I guess that's not clear to those who only see the finished product. But for those of us that were part of the development of this product, it engaged every sector of society um, and uh, and deeply uh, uh, analyzed the, the work that needed to happen in each of those sectors to be able to uh, improve the, the economic recovery, uh, create jobs uh, both in the short term but also in the medium to longer term. So I think that was the very first thing that was uh, that was apparent to me and being part of that process was very, very impressive, is just how wide the consultation was 
and how deep the expertise was that contributed to this plan. So I think this is not just a dusting off of old plans and or cobbling together uh, a combination of a whole range of plans. I think this really, number one, took into account to the deep trouble that we as a country are in financially. Um, I think it, what it did is it also leveraged on some of the of the goodwill, it leveraged on some of the good work that was happening in business for South Africa as a combination between BUSA, Black Business Council, uh, a whole range of people coming together for the good of the country. And I think it was uh, – and the attempt to leverage off some of that really good work, I think, is what has uh, been the bedrock and the – uh, and the, um, the the underlying work that has gone into that. So that's the first thing that I think this is a this is a substantial plan that certainly um, you're not going to by pulling together ten different consultancy companies are not going to come up with a better plan than this. Secondly, it really focused on um, initiatives that were that we could get our arms around, and it wasn't thousands and thousands of things that had to be done. It focused on ten priority areas and said, look, these are the areas that whilst yeah, there's lots of work that will happen in other sectors of society, these 10 sectors, we are able, if we focus on these 10 sectors, we're going to make a substantial difference um, to the ability to grow this economy and rapidly and grow jobs. But then I think there was two very important things that said, look, it's not just about focusing on um, on those 10 areas that there are some cross-cutting initiatives that sort of apply to almost everything we do. Uh, and if we don't fix those enablers, um, and, and those are really policy uh, interventions, then we're not going to get this right because we've got underlying systemic issues that are causing some of the difficulties that we're facing at the moment. Um, and so that was the, the second thing. I think it was really important about the plan because that objective was to do three things. It was to restore confidence, and you spoke a bit about confidence in your introduction. It was around attracting investment. And, of course, we know that, that money goes where, where it sees the, uh, the best return. And if we've got uh, – if, if it looks like we're a dodgy destination, then money won't come here. So we've got to fix some of those underlying things that, so we can get investment to come back to the country. Uh, and then it was around implementing projects that will actually make a difference. And I think that was the third area then to say, well, okay, then what are those main areas? Because what they then did is we, we analyzed all of the things that everyone was saying. In my sector, if we only do these 10 things. And in another sector, if we do these five things. And in another sector, we do those 20 things. It sort of took out the highlights of those and it clustered them and it came up with, uh, with the 12 point plan, I guess, what, what it's been referred to. So those are projects and initiatives that we can get our hands around. So I think it's practical, it's focused, um, and it's something that if we work together as government and industry, we can actually get onto this very quickly. And as I said to you, it's got deep insight into it so that it's, um, it's not just a dusting off of old plans. Thank you very much, Martin, for, I mean, thank you very much for Chris for that, uh, uh, you know, uh, input. I think towards the latter part of, of your utterance, you raised a very pertinent issue around, you said, almost like a precondition. If we work together, uh, in, in gov- as government and private sector, we will achieve all the wonderful things that you've outlined. Uh, on that particular point, what is the current, um, relations between government 
private sector and 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 labor on these particular issues because we we have noted that uh labor obviously you know is on this side government is that side do we finally have a consensus of the kind of trade-offs that we as a country need to think and act on so that we're able to take the country forward i i Oof, that's a, it's a difficult one as to whether we all are aligned, uh, on every single aspect of the plan. I mean, just if you have a look at the, the ANC just before, um, the, the B4SA, the Business for South Africa, uh, economic recovery strategy was put forward. The ANC put forward, um, their own economic recovery strategy. Um, and, and certainly there are vast areas of overlap. But, but it's not entirely uh, the same as if we were all uh, on the same page. So my guess is that we're probably not all on the same page, but I think we're closer to being able to work together than we have been in a long, long time. You know, I think the last uh, 10 years in particular uh, under the previous administration were designed to, to undermine business, and, uh, and it wasn't a government that was working alongside uh, business. I think this current administration is very different. Um, this current administration, however, though, has still got um, to demonstrate that they can put the runs on the board. Um, but we have a different environment now uh, compared to the previous 10 years. But Nimrod, I guess if we try and wait until we absolutely always are going to line around 100% of the issues, we're never going to get cracking at this. I think there's enough there's enough overlap in uh, in the various things that have happened in the past uh, couple of years, uh, the job summit, the economic recovery strategies under under the president, the, there's there's vast areas of overlap between the ANC policy uh, and uh, and the Business for South Africa policy. If you look at many of the areas that the ANC focused on uh, around mining, construction, manufacturing, large uh, infrastructure projects, uh, the telecommunication, financial services. Many of those are areas that are that are highlighted as the key focus areas in the in the Business for South Africa economic recovery strategy. So I think personally that um, that yeah maybe we 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 never going to align about absolutely everything just given um, what where who we represent and where we come from. But given that we've got an eighty percent alignment, that's enough for us. It's enough for us to get started. It's enough for us to to get to a realization that if we don't do this now, um, we are going to be trapped in in a very, very deep hole for a long time. Um, you know, we can already see last year we had um, uh, uh, a debt-to-GDP ratio of the end of 2019 of just over 60%. This year it's going to be over 80%. By 2023, it's going to be over 100%. So we can decide, well, that's just the way we're going to carry on. And eventually the majority of the taxes that we raise in this country will just go to servicing debt and meaning we can actually do very little else. We can either choose that road. Uh, and I don't think there's many people consciously want to do that. Uh, or we can say we've got an opportunity to turn this around now and we can use this crisis of COVID because it is a massive crisis. And by the time the end of the year comes, we're probably going to lose another million jobs are going to be lost in this economy. Um, on that we note, that, yeah, yeah. over to you, Nimrod. Hold that, that beautiful thoughts because I want to piggyback on it. Um, you know, Taba tells us that we need to go to the shops and, and pay our bills. Taba, can we pay our bills and come back? 
This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. It is now 25 past 6 and I'm having a very interesting conversation with Chris Griffiths who is giving us insights on the accelerated economic recovery strategy. Before we went to the break, uh, Chris was giving a download in terms of, for him, what has really worked. Uh, Chris, maybe one of the things that you raised just before we went to the, we, to the break is the whole issue of the, the current and deep crisis, which all the social partners seem to be aware of. And I also like the fact that, you know, there, there's, there's cross uh, alignment or there's cross overlap between ANC of you know, policies as well as what the business uh, for South Africa has, 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 has put on the table. Um, the whole issue of the current debt to GDP, which is which in the next couple of years is likely to be 100%, which, which for me, and, and I'm sure every single person, uh, uh, would be very scary to know that if we were to reach 100%, which means the education, uh, you know, the expansion education will stop. Uh, infrastructure expansion will stop, uh, uh, and, and health system that is currently aiding, we're not going to see sufficient investment. Do, based on your assessment, do social partners, I want you to know if social partners are aware of the financial implications of us running, you know, the GDP, that's the GDP that is running, that which will run up to 100% in the next couple of years, because that would, uh, in my view, activate a different thought process around the kind of trade-offs which we as a country need to embark on based on what your plans Okay, got it. Thanks, uh, thanks, Nimrod. So I, I think the answer to that question is, uh, I'm guessing each of the social partners, there are, there are people that get it and there's people that don't, that don't understand the implications of the financial position we find ourselves in. But, I mean, let's start with the government. Uh, you know, we couldn't have got a clearer message uh, from the finance minister, Tito Mbeweni, when he presented the special adjustment budget in June, when he explained the impact of debt. And, uh, and when he said that, look, we're going to have to borrow more money and we're going to have to go to international banks, uh, something which uh, in some cases we've, we've tried to avoid, like the, the, the IMF. Um, but, but the finance minister was, was explaining to all of us the impact of debt and when you borrow money, at some point in time, you've got to pay it back. And there's a there's a, an interest bill. And at the moment, uh, he explained to us how how large and what a massive slice of our GDP, of the money that we earn in the country, goes before we spend it on anything else just to pay back the interest. So I think, uh, you know, certainly in the economic cluster, um, certainly the president understands this. So. I think there's large portions of uh, of government that absolutely understand uh, the implications of us not being able to raise sufficient taxes. Uh, the finance minister explained that we are going to see 300 billion rand of under collection from the tax base this year. Uh, and when you don't have 300 billion rand, there's lots of the things that you wanted to do that you no longer can do. And all of this money that we're going to to borrow from international banks uh, this year, he said $7 billion. Um, and that's only a hundred, well, that's not only, that is 120 billion rand, um, that he said he wants to borrow of that 500 billion rand package that we have to find from somewhere, um, to be able to pay this. So I think the answer to your question, there's certainly people in government that understand this. Um, there's certainly some people in labor that understand this. 
But if you just had a look a couple of weeks back when, when you, when you heard some of the labor uh, voices saying, well, no, why don't we just go and borrow, um, you know, and they were quoting outlandish numbers to say, well, we can fix all this. We can give every business, we can give all the taxi uh, industry, we can just give everybody all this money that we would have borrowed. You could see that they don't really understand the message that the finance minister was giving to us. That Number one, we, we almost owe as much money as we make. And at some point in time, we will owe more money than, than we can, that we can, uh, that we can get every year. And then it becomes more expensive to try and convince someone else to keep giving you money. So some people get it, but there's certainly a large portion, I guess, of government, uh, labor and of general society that, that don't understand the implications of just going to, to try, you know, to loan money that we don't have. Which means, which begs the question then, Chris, um, we obviously need to uh, bring every single stakeholder on the table so that we have a common appreciation of the financial implications uh, which the country is facing. Because if business is going to move ahead uh, and leaving labor behind uh, or government and business moving ahead or one of the social partners not being fully com- fully on board and understanding um, that calls for an opportunity for re-engagement uh, with all the social partners so that at least the, the, the issues are, are, are addressed amicably. What, what's your take on that? Yes, I think that's right. But, uh, you know, Nimrod, as I said, you know, it's not just in government or it's not just in labor. I guess there's a large portion. I mean, just look at the way that the majority of us live our lives. We live lives beyond what we earn. So we spend more money than we than we get in. So, you know, every single one of us as individuals in this country, uh, I guess, can say that we've got the, the same problem in our own lives. And it, until it gets to a point where where you can no longer uh, borrow money to pay off uh, the money that you owe and, and you end up in, in a vicious circle that you can't get out of. So I guess that particular point is uh, um, is a lesson for us all. And it is something that we need to educate ourselves and we need to educate everybody around us. And I think this message uh, around COVID, I think, has brought that more firmly to bear, has brought it closer to home than any other crisis that we felt before. Because we've always had space uh, to be able to borrow more money. We've always had space, for example, to bail out state-owned enterprises because we had a bit of capacity. But now that we've got to the end of that capacity, I think this COVID uh, crisis has done one thing to really show us, guys, there's only one way out of this now. We cannot borrow our way out of this problem. We can't spend ourselves out of this problem with money we don't have. We must make that money. And the only way to make that money is for us all to come together and say, we've got to do things differently. Uh, We've got to grow this economy. We've got to put more people in jobs. Um, and you don't have to tell that to the to the th- over thirty percent of the working population that doesn't have a work. They want to work. So I, I think we've got this crisis now that we absolutely cannot afford to waste. Well, number one, because we're going to be absolutely screwed if we if we don't do something. But we can turn this into something positive. I think we can work together. We've learned in this crisis that um, that labour, government, and business can work together in a very harmonious way that actually shows that, that we actually most of the time are on the same side. So I think there is, there is an ongoing education piece and every single one of us has got a responsibility. I think now let's not waste this crisis. Let's turn this economic recovery 
strategy into a reality. Let's form the teams, put the best people that we can from government and from business together, uh, and just get cracking. And let's start working on these plans that have been identified. And we don't have to wait for, for another five years to develop the plans. The plans are ready to go. Um, each of the sectors uh, are, are working already, uh, as I know, in business to, to start identifying what they can start getting busy with right now. I know there's deep engagements happening with Business for South Africa, with the, with the president and the government. So, you know, I think there's a willingness to get going. But I think what we all, all of us have to put pressure on, on us all to say we can no longer uh, afford to wait. And, uh, and society have got a justification to say to business leaders, to government leaders and to labor leaders to say, put aside your differences and get us out of this mess that we're in. Because I think we can. We've got a plan. Uh, it's, and it's right Absolutely. on the table in front of us. Absolutely. Chris, I wanna, we want to take a break as we switch off to the next phase of our conversation. And I'm going to bring in uh, Eric Stenerman here uh, when, when we want to come back. The focus of our conversation when we come back is really going to be the practical plans. You, I mean, I, I like the, the fact that you've got plans that were well-conceived now we need to move from the, the, the actual conception of the plan to implementation. So we want to try and really unpack practical approaches. How do we get youth? How can we get women? How do we get business? How do we get every single person to own these kinds of plans so that uh, everybody's, um, everybody's uh, shoulder and a wheel is in place? We're going to take a break as we switch off uh, and we switch off into the next phase. Let's mull over that question. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to the second last leg of the show. We join online by Chris Griffith, uh, who is really giving us food for thought in terms of his view of the accelerated economic recovery strategy. Uh, Chris, before we went to the break, you, you pointed out that plans are there and, and there's no point of, or there's no need to to, to do any planning, but the question is how do we get every single South African to be part of the plan? Because I think the listeners of the show are really able they want to really participate in, in, the, uh, in, in the, the, the action plan. So what your advice would be before I bring in Eric? Nimrod, I think the first thing we've all got to be aware of is that, that frankly society are fed up with plans. You know, they look to business leaders, government leaders, labor leaders, and they're saying we've seen plan upon plan upon plan upon plan, and we're fed up with them. So I don't think we must be overly excited by our own plan uh, and that the whole of society are not jumping up and down uh, believing this is going to be the plan. So I think we've got to get going. Uh, we've got a plan. Uh, now we've got to uh, get the, the teams together in my view and that's actually what the Business for South Africa team are busy working together with government and proposing that we put together now um, very, very um, senior and committed stakeholders from government, from labor and from business together in the various sectors, in the various cross-cutting uh, policy initiatives uh, and let's get working. Um, you know, everybody, I think if you, if you said to, if you stopped you know, 90% of the people in the street and said to them, do we need another plan? Most of us will say no. Just get on and deliver the plans that you've put in place. And so, but here I think we've got the best plan that we've seen on the table uh, for a long, long time. So here we've got a plan. 
our view is that we can uh, we can start working on that plan. But people are looking for delivery now, and and frankly, we don't have time to waste. And uh, and you know, I think that uh, we've got to by the time the um, the medium term budget speech comes along in November uh, in October, there's got to be already uh, in our view a well formulated plan that the finance minister can put on the table. Uh, and, and I think much of this work will be able to provide input into that. So the, the thing now is we've got a, we've got a good plan on the table, uh, Nimrod and listeners, uh, and I think most of society are looking for us to get on and implement now. Fantastic. Um, Eric, let me bring you in here. The, you heard Chris, the plans are there. We just need to action them. What's your take on that? Hi, good evening, Nimrod. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, listeners and colleagues. Um, yes, now it's been an absolute delight listening to you, Chris. Um, it, you know, it's, it's heartening and confidence building to, to hear the way you convey what, what work is on the go in business for South Africa. Um, I'd like to focus my questions, Chris, uh, on one or two areas, you know, around implementation. The one is the resources that are needed for implementation, I understand that a large number of top professionals in this country were involved in putting the plan together, uh, together with other stakeholders, and now we're into implementation. I also understand from some engagement I've had with uh, the innovation stream that, that, uh, that you're the head of, um, that, that there's work on the go. So, the second theme that I'd like you to address, if you can, is communication. Very few people are getting out there and communicating to, you know, to, to the interested and capable business community and professional community, uh, let alone to the whole country, that these, this is who, what kind of resources we need and, um, and, and come to us and, and, and we can, we can put your your skills to good use. Can you talk to those two thoughts, please? Um, yes, thanks, Eric. Uh, I certainly can. So, I mean, the first thing that that I have been incredibly humbled with is the generosity of uh, of business in South Africa. Uh, that was uh, the Black Business Council, BUSA, BLSA, um, private individuals. Uh, just you know, it's been absolutely astounding to see. Um, both the contributions to the Solidarity Fund, the contributions to the Matsepi Foundation, um, the Spire Funds. You know, there's been so many great success stories, the Nuspers Fund. So the amount of generosity that individuals and companies and, uh, you know, just society have, have put money together, but then also the resources that they've done pro bono. So they've given up of their time. They've given up of their company's resources to be able to make this business for South Africa um, process work over the last four months. And it's all been done on pro bono resources. Now, I guess at some point in time, those pro bono resources will come to an end. But w- what I have seen is that when the right people ask in the right way for the right, uh, for the right initiatives, that actually there's so much generosity and goodwill in South Africa. And I guess sometimes we get a bit, uh, we get a bit frustrated and we get a bit down on ourselves as South Africa because a lot of things are not working the way they should be working at the moment. 
But at the same time, when you, when you look at this business for South Africa work and the fact that we were able to pull together this plan and to be able to manage and help and work alongside government to manage the COVID crisis, you know, we've done that out of the goodwill of South Africans. So I think there's more goodwill out there. Uh, I think as we start resourcing these plans, I think we are going to need to call on the various sectors of, uh, of society to say that, you know, we want you to, uh, we want you to second people into these processes. Uh, government likewise are going to have to do the same. They're going to have to take people out of their day jobs, uh, or substantial time out of their day jobs to make this happen because we won't get this plan delivered with, you know, doing a little bit on the sideline, uh, sort of once a week or something. Then we're going to get non-delivery the way we've done before. So, uh, Eric, I think I'm very encouraged by, uh, by the generosity and the goodwill of South Africans. I think there's still more of that generosity that we can tap for the right reasons and we can call on South Africa to, uh, and, and, and companies in South Africa to second, to donate, to, to make a contribution in people's time, skill and capacity to be able to support this, to be able to um, to be able to mobilize these work streams that are going to be absolutely necessary in all the various sectors, you know, in energy and water, mining, construction, manufacturing, transport, agriculture, financial services, telecoms, tourism, you know, right across those areas. I think there is goodwill in South Africa. And it's just, you know, we are a funny nation and, geez, we can fight like anything. Um, but, you know, there are times when you look like this and you just look at what we're willing to contribute uh, and the generosity of South Africans to get ourselves out of this crisis. Again, I think that's something that we shouldn't waste. Uh, and I know as the Business for South Africa team that's thinking about this and, and pulling together resources to make this project happen, this this, uh, this plan happen, uh, I know that they're going to be reaching out uh, to South Africans again to make uh, this plan, to resource this plan. Uh, can I come back on that, uh, Nimrod? Sure, sure. Go ahead, um, Eric. Uh, thanks for that, Chris. Uh, let me just sort of move it back to communication uh, to okay. get people excited and, and, and confident and in bold confidence and involvement. There hasn't been much in the general media. Um, so if you can just talk to that one. And while you're thinking about it or responding, also some examples – of, of, say, for example, in, in your work stream on innovation, of what is the kind of work on the go and that people should know about and that can give people hope that we can turn this, uh, particularly the current immediate crisis that we're facing, around. Uh, okay, great. Um, you know, I think the one thing, though, that, uh, you know, why I guess it'll feel like there hasn't been as much communication as possible you know, I think the first thing is one's got to respect the fact that if you want to share this with the president, you don't want to share it to the public and then go to the president. So I think there, there has been uh, engagement with the president and many of his top ministers. Uh, I know that there's follow-up communication has been happening, and I know there's a plan to engage again with the president, I think, uh, early this coming week, uh, this in the next week. Uh, there's also been now, subsequent to that, the release to the to the public, and now the escalation process and the and the much wider communication plan uh, is being developed as we speak. 
Uh, I know there was, uh, there's been a number of engagements already with the business sectors uh, to start asking them to think about how they can get tracking on some of those plans. Uh, and I know that there's much broader engagement to plan for other social partners, labor, et cetera, uh, over the while. So I think what you're going to see now is like ripples uh, of escalating uh, communication. There's a, there's a very dedicated communication team that's sitting behind us. Um, that is, uh, that is absolutely clear that, that we've got to get this, uh, to feel part of every single one of us in South Africa. Um, so again, so that society can put pressure on us as the business leaders, as the government leaders, and as, uh, the labor leaders to say, we want you guys to put aside your differences and get on and make this plan happen. So there is the, that plan is happening. Um, and I know there's uh, sort of systematically more and more communication is happening, for example, in the work that's been done in the individual work streams within business for South Africa. Um, so you've asked me to comment a little bit on the innovation work stream that, that I'm leading. Um, so in the greater scheme of things in this big plan here, that's only a very small part. Um, but I do lead uh, the innovation work stream in the economic uh, group of Business for South Africa, um, our focus has been on trying to help behind the wave of procurement that needed to take place just to manage um, personal protective equipment in this crisis. What we were asked to do is to say the reason that we needed to import so much PPE is because we actually don't have the, that manufacturing. We just don't make that PPE here in South Africa. So I was asked to to help them set up a team that can help uh, start looking at the local manufacturing of many of those products. Uh, we, to cut a very long story short, set up uh, seven different work streams. We have uh, moved from four companies that were procurement ready uh, to now 29 companies that are procurement ready in uh, in the personal protective equipment space. So things like textile gowns and shoe covers and masks, uh, ventilators, uh, face shields, sanitizers, um, those sort of things. So I think we, and we're getting really good momentum now. We, we've got another 54 companies that we are busy supporting. We've just started a black enterprise development, um, focus to, to focus, um, directly on, uh, black entrepreneurs to, uh, help them form part of uh, the PPE delivery, not only for the COVID crisis, but beyond. And at the same time, we're also working on a proposal to the ministers around a longer term, uh, uh, a longer term master plan around health related products. So PPE, pharmaceuticals and, uh, and, uh, and medical devices. So I think what you see here is, a focus on manufacturing, which is one of the key sectors. And secondly, one of the priority initiatives, one of these cross-cutting initiatives around localization. Um, those are the two focus areas that our work stream and our work stream, I think has got a great story to tell because uh, we, we formed what we call a local manufacturing partnership because we realized that there was an incredible amount of work that was happening um, in government, in various sectors of government, the DTI, uh, science and Innovation, Department of Health, an immense amount of work was already happening. And there was also an immense amount of work happening in labor. So organized labor were, were really hard at work, not trying to fight for things, just trying to save the jobs in many of these manufacturing companies. And then there was the work that business was doing. 
And instead of trying to reinvent the wheel that we were all doing, we came together, formed a local manufacturing partnership. And I think that's got such a wonderful story because it, it actually talks to the way that we do see that we can all work together as part of this plan. And all of this work that I talk about is the, the combined work of this local manufacturing partnership. Um, and I think we're making good strides. Uh, we, we, we've been very generously uh, had resources um, donated both for a central team, but also for the work streams. Uh, we're busy uh, replacing those now as many of those resources roll off. Uh, and again, it's just the, the generosity of South Africans is, uh, and South African companies uh, and individuals who, for some rhyme or reason, in the individual capacity are volunteering. Uh, in some in sometimes it's uh, companies that are volunteering some of their professional staff. So that's just a little bit of the work that we're doing. And and again, I, I think it's it just shows because it's a small portion, I think, of what uh, the Business for South Africa plan is uh, is meaning to do. And that's let's all get together. Let's just focus on what needs to be done, uh, government, labour, and business. Uh, and we can make amazing strides and let's leverage the goodwill that exists in South Africa uh, to turn this country around. Uh, there's such a, such amazing stories. Uh, and Eric, we're going to be telling that more widely as Business for South Africa as time goes on with a very focused communication strategy. Thanks, Chris. That's, that's, two more questions, but I'll sit out now. Thank you. Th- thank you very much, Chris, for, for that explanation, because I think, um, we do understand the fact that uh, there are protocols that need to be observed. Uh, you know, you're obviously still, you know, uh, communicating with the president. There are certain processes that need to unfold. But we, are on this particular show, I can, I can almost commit that we want to partner with you so that we get the message out there, so that we are able to get every single professional uh, who, gets, who, I mean, who, who should know about the kind of great work that you guys are doing, so that, you know, we, we, we sort of minimize the despair. Because you can imagine, um, the, the unemployment rate that, that is reaching almost 40%. And with youth uh, graduates that are just you know, loitering in the street, it, it must be terribly frustrating for them. So these, uh, the kind of, um, uh, 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 you know, uh, exciting things that your stream is doing and other economic streams are doing, we need to bring them in and, and share as often as possible through this media. And I'm gonna t- I'm gonna challenge you on that, uh, Chris, moving forward. Wonderful, and I'll certainly pass that message on, Nimrod. Thank you for that offer. You're welcome. Uh, we are having a last bite with Chris Griffith, uh, who is the leading innovation stream in the economic group for for Business South Africa, uh, really giving us input. Uh, do share your your thoughts. Uh, our SMS line is three four five four nine. Our Telegram is oh six one eight nine five one zero. Uh, nine five, and uh, we literally have about five minutes to wrap up. Uh, I am forced to, you know, ask you this question, Chris. Uh, this seven billion dollar loan from IMF, um, you know, earlier on you did touch on it. Uh, you know, there definitely has to be condition, uh, conditionalities attached to it because nobody can just give you money without any uh, a condition attached to it. What your sense uh, based on on your understanding? Uh, you know, I would imagine some of the conditions that would be around policy certainty um, on specific sectors. Uh, do you got anything to share in respect to to that? Um, Nimrod, thanks. So, so the way I understand it, I, I certainly am not that close to it, um, but the way I understand 
is that um, as part of the package, so if you just take a small step backwards and you think about the package that the president announced of the 500 billion economic support package that was focused on providing help to support um, healthcare workers, protecting those most vulnerable, uh, driving job creation, uh, supporting reforms, and also stabilizing public debt. Now, of that portion, the, the, the finance minister announced that his special adjustment budget that $7 billion they would seek to go to uh, financial institutions. So that, if you think of the $500 million, that's only that's $120 billion of that $500 billion. And the way I understand it is that $1 billion rand has already been raised from the new development bank in June, uh, and about $0.3 billion was raised from the Africa Development Bank last week. And now from the IMF, uh, the, has been granted $4.3 billion. So of that $7 billion that the finance minister announced, it seems to me that we, that he's uh, got $5.6 billion of that already done. So it's close to $100 billion. But you remember of that other $500 billion, the remainder of that was reprioritizing within government and also increasing some debt through, through additional loans. So, <coughs> excuse me. So... The question you ask is, so what conditions are attached? Because the IMF doesn't normally hand out money without conditions. But the way I understand it, and I, of course I could be wrong, but because this came from the rapid financing instrument in the, in the IMF, actually there's uh, fairly limited conditions. Uh, and, it, and it's, it, I guess it, the words I, I've heard is that it respects South Africa's decisions on how to provide relief to the economy. Um, but the way I do also understand it is that the South African authorities have committed uh, to transparently monitor and report on the use of those funds. So I guess there is still conditionality attached to that, um, but, uh, but not in the normal way that you would have conditions attached to the IMF. But I guess the fact is if you get money from someone else, you must be able to report on how you're spending it. And, uh, and there is that requirement. And the fact that we haven't done so well Given that the president had to institute all these um, these inquiries uh, and uh, and had to get uh, the SIU to probe unlawful conduct, it's not a bad idea, I think, for us to have conditions attached to money and make sure we spend it properly. So, you know, I think um, this does seem to me as part of a plan, uh, the, the loaning the money from the IMF to make sure we can get through crisis this crisis. But then as we get through this crisis, we've been speaking for the last hour on, well, let's, let's make sure that we don't continue this crisis. But we do need some funding and this, uh, the loan from the IMF of $4.3 billion, uh, that, um, of 70 billion rand, that has, uh, as part of a bigger plan to get us through this crisis. Uh, and let's spend that money wisely. And the fact that it is the IMF, I think it's not a bad idea that we have to report properly on what's happening to that money so it doesn't get wasted. No, thank you very much, uh, Chris. Uh, we really appreciated your time. I think uh, the listeners have thoroughly enjoyed your your acumen, thoroughly enjoyed your your views on the very complex issues which we're all seeking solution for or to. But I'm quite convinced that uh, you know, a uh, listener out there is, is certainly seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, which is something that we're grappling with. This show it really is all about. How, how do we contribute, uh, you know, business confidence? How do we promote business confidence? How do we promote uh, consumer confidence in this country so that we're able to build up? And I think uh, as we move 
with 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 people such as yourself onto the show, we definitely move forward as a collective and project the country in a positive light because these all these are fundamentals of um of, of business confidence which we you know would result in the monies uh coming into the into the country. On that note, thank you once again, Chris. Nimrod, thanks very much and uh, good evening to your listeners. Thank you. Yes, indeed. That's Chris Griffith. I'm afraid we have to leave it there. Uh, Eric Stillament, thank you very much for coming through. Tabisa, thank you very much. Thank you, Nimrod. Thank you, Chris. Thanks very much. much. Thanks, Eric. Much appreciated. Until we do this again, please stay safe and be well. Adios.